What's happening guys, this is Logan from Here to Spear, presented by Noel Game Day. Tonight we're going to recap the NC State game, Florida State's loss to the Wolfpack, and then we're going to move on and recap FSU versus UF, their big win to start the season over the Gators in easy fashion, and then we'll look ahead to Florida State's big game at 7.30 on NBC against number 3 ranked Notre Dame. What's happening guys, how you guys feeling on this beautiful Wednesday night? What's up, Logan? What's up, D. Lou? What's up, guys? Just enjoying a wonderful Wednesday. It's been pretty muggy in Tallahassee this week, so nothing too exciting to do. Not a lot of motivation to leave the house, honestly. Yeah, it's been pretty bipolar down here. It was it was kind of cold last weekend, and yeah, now it's starting to heat back up. It's yeah, weird. It's nasty weather. How's the weather up there, up north, Ryan? It's fine. It's it's actually pretty warm. Today. It's like sixty five. But yeah, I know you guys aren't complaining about having nothing to do when you have plenty to do last night. What, <laughs> yeah. a, what a good game to go to. That was awesome. I, w- I was there. Where were you at, Dustin? Um, I sat over like uh, in the corner behind the team bench, and I'm like at the very top. So I kind of have like a view of the entire court. I like it up there. It's a nice little view. Yeah, it is. I was in the corner in the student section. Uh, it seemed like the student section was already filled out, what, 30, 45 minutes before the game even started, I think. It was a good atmosphere to go into, I think, definitely, with everybody talking about the hype of this team, and they validated it with their start against UF. What's y'all's like first kind of impressions after that game? I don't know if UF is terrible or Florida State is going to the Final <laughs> Four, but those are my two impressions, and one of them is true. Yeah, you just, I mean, you, you never really know after the first game, like, who's good, who's bad. So, I mean, this doesn't really tell a whole lot because it's the first game for both teams, and obviously a lot a lot is going to change as the season goes on. So, but I was really impressed with Florida State's pressure on defense. They, they picked up uh, Florida full court the entire game, and they played with great energy. They played together. The guys off the bench contributed, and it was really just an all-around team effort. And no matter who was on the court, uh, the Seminoles were producing. And By Florida, the way, that's, Florida couldn't do anything. That's two years in a row blowing blowing out Florida. So Leonard Hamilton clearly um, outcoaches Mike White. I'm not sure about the rest of the season. And, I mean, Florida State's been just as, as successful, if not more successful. But it, when they go head-to-head, Leonard Hamilton has won four, time, four times in a row and never lost. So. Five times. Uh, but I think Mike White was only there for four. Oh, yeah, yeah, point. yeah. You're right, you're right. Yeah, the depth is pretty stupid, too. I mean, there was a lot of guys playing, too, and a lot of younger guys that got some time. Even oh. the walk-ons got in. That was amazing. <laughs> yep, they did. I threw all those guys out there near the end of the game. But the depth is what is probably going to be able to lead these this team throughout the tournament. You know, is expected to get to the NCAA tournament. But this is probably a good sign. Looking forward to that for sure. Uh, and we can talk about uh, Kofor too. Whenever he comes back, that it gets even scarier on offense too. To join uh, Terrence Mann and Trent Forrest uh, and PJ Savoy. While we're talking, actually just made another three. <laughs> That dude is silly, isn't he? He's such a good shooter. So fun to watch, too, because you know he wants to shoot it every time he touches it. When it when it doesn't go in, you're you're surprised. I'm not I'm not even surprised if he makes it, but 
when he misses a shot, that's when you're like, wow, he, he missed. <laughs> let me let me ask you guys this question. Now that we've seen the first game, um, I think if I would have asked you this last year, you wouldn't have predicted Kofor to be the leading scorer. So who do you think will be the leading scorer for Florida State in 2018? You can go first, Dustin. I'll give you a second, but you can go first. You can go like seven different ways with this. So Coming into the year, I, I would have picked Kofor, but... You know, he, he injured his, his right ankle. We haven't really heard much about the the nature of the injury, just how long he's supposed to be out. But I have seen him in a, a cast, so I'm assuming that injury must be kind of serious. And, you know, it's a little concerning that it's to the same ankle that he's already had some trouble with. Yeah. So, you know, if he was healthy, I'd, I'd definitely go with Kofor. But – I really, I think I'm going to go with PJ Savoy if if Florida State is going to move him into the starting lineup. He he played great defense, which is the thing that's kept him off the court really for for two years. So if he if he brings it like that on offense, and then he also steps up on defense like he did last night throughout the season, I can see him being Florida State's best player, or at least best offensive player. Who do you well, have uh, for me? Uh, I would go an in between. MJ Walker, uh, I'd go more of MJ Walker than Savoy, honestly. But with those threes coming from Savoy, and it seems like if he can keep that rhythm, and he was already a sharpshooter before the uh, last season, uh, if he keeps it up, he could rack up a lot of points. But MJ Walker looked pretty solid to me uh, too. I couldn't hardly notice him with his new haircut, but yeah, I couldn't notice. <laughs> I, didn't I thought the same thing. I was like, where he looked he like go? Dwayne Bacon to me, honestly. <laughs> Well, I, 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 MJ Walker just sounds good, so I'd probably go with Walker moving. I think I think I think MJ Walker will be the leading scorer too. I just think he has a little bit more to his offensive game than Savoy. He's probably not as polished of a shooter, but I think he's got the the off the dribble shot and a, he's a better driver. So I think, uh, like as the whole season goes by and uh, Savoy regresses back to the mean of maybe two or three threes a night, and not five. Uh, I think Walker might be able to outscore him, but that that shooting duo of Walker and Savoy, especially both starting, that's crazy. But I think you could also make legitimate arguments for uh, Terrence Mann and um, Trent Forrest, both leading the team in scoring. And I think if Kofor was back on a per game basis, since he'll miss some of the season, I think he could be leading score too. So it's kind of crazy to think about it. This Sounds is, like a good problem to have. Great problem to have. We're like the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah, first it's game. Not, it's not working out for them right now. No, no, no. But we're we're less uh, ego. We have less ego. <laughs> Does this team kind of like go with some kind of way of like the uh, Warriors with how they're passing the ball around a lot? Because there was a lot of guys open, it seemed like, but they wanted to pass the ball around in a couple of those uh, transitions on offense last night. I don't know. I think once it got out of hand, Florida just kind of gave up, to be honest. Because, like, Vassell shot two or three wide-open threes in the corner. I mean, they even stopped running out on P.J. Savoy, which just seems like a bad idea. Uh, So I think they kind of gave up once they couldn't score at all. I mean, how many points did they have in the first half? 20? Yeah. That's crazy. Pitiful. Well, they also couldn't shoot worth a a DAMN. It's it's perfect that Perfect for Florida State, and I don't know why Mike White would agree to do this, and I'm not sure how far and ahead this was planned. But if you're Mike White, why would you play? Why would you pick to play Florida State first when Florida State might be the most experienced team on your schedule, 
and Florida starting like two freshmen and their best like their first three guys off the bench are freshmen. I mean, it just didn't seem like a good idea. Florida State brought back seventy percent, seventy one percent of their shooting from last year with experience. So, yeah, I mean, the only guy they lost was Angola. Let me ask you guys this question: Is was Angola like under the basket last night in the first row? Or yeah, right, yeah, he was. With the red. Did you guys see him like yelling like he was like on inbounds <laughs> plays, like he was like call making call outs, like he was on the team? That was amazing. <laughs> Did you see that, Dustin? Yeah, he's a he was he was actually on my side, so I saw I got a pretty good view of him down there with the awesome. Orlando Magic cat on. But they never zoomed in on him on TV, so I mean, I just assumed it was him because it, he it kind of looked like him from far away, and he was he was standing up calling stuff out while Florida State was defending inbound passes. It's mm-hmm. awesome though, right? It's yeah, it's it was, awesome it to have a so former happy. player. Yeah, like a so former happy. player that's pursuing a professional career, and then still coming back to to see where he came from kind of so i don't know it's just really awesome it was cool to see him there he was um taking a lot of pictures with fans and getting some love so and he got a pretty big um ovation when they announced him yeah derwin kitchen was there too one of my favorite Mm -hmm. players that played for the Knolls back in his day uh let's go to just took on that layup (laughs) yeah i know i remember that what are your thoughts on the newcomers dustin uh, Nichols, Vassell, Gray, uh, Polite. Who do you? Who kind of like showed you? I saw Nichols for a little bit. It looked like Nichols to me was uh, more of trying to be a leader in some scenarios. He kind of had a slow start to the game. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, he was he was forcing his offense a little bit, and you know I can see why. It was it was his uh, first real game at Florida State in a big time environment, and he probably just felt the need to to try and contribute as much as possible being a grad transfer. But I thought he did a good job running the offense. He did turn the ball over, I think, once or twice. But the pass the pass got tipped. So I don't know if I should blame that on him or just, just good Florida defense. But overall, I thought he had a, <clears throat> had a decent game. Vassell was a guy that impressed me in the preseason. And he came out and, you know, he hit his first three, first, first real points of his uh, college career. And he also played some solid defense. And uh, – as for Gray and Polite, they both redshirted last year, and I thought they showed some good ability out there, and they're they're going to continue to grow as the season goes on, as will Vassell. So, you know, it's only game one, but I want to see what they look like in game 30 when we're heading into March. That's what's going to matter. It is. We'll have a lot more to talk about. I know during the season I'm excited to talk about FSU hoops. It's a big it was a big hype during the offseason, and they validated the start off the season against UF's 181. To 60. Uh, let's move on to the NC State recap here. Uh, we can start off with James Blackman. That was the biggest topic heading into the week. We kind of expected him to start. Uh, in his first appearance of the season, he went 29 of 46, 421 yards and four touchdowns. He threw an interception, two to go with that, and he ended the game with a passer rating of 164.3. Y'all just give me your uh, first observations and of his performance against the Wolf Pack. He looked very good. He did things that we don't see Francois do, um, like evading pressure. I'm not even saying running, but like evading pressure really well, keeping plays alive. I mean, he, he kind of looked like, and I, this is this is just a comparison solely from like the improvising standpoint and like kind of, 
like hitting receivers on after their route is over and after the pocket breaks down like Jameis did in more so 2014 when that offensive line was kind of like much worse than it was in 2013 and Jameis was kind of running around a lot and hitting receivers on like broken plays like he did that with DJ Matthews a few times and just picked up first downs that would have for sure been punts with um, Francois in there obviously 421 yards Great, th- great deep balls, Terry. We've always said that Blackman had a better deep ball than Francois. I don't see a reason to not... I can't think of one reason not to start Blackman the rest of the way. Yeah, so and um, one thing, I, I thought he did a good job of avoiding hits. I mean, he did get sacked five times, but, you know, whenever Francois is back there, he, he takes a beating every game. And, you know, we, we always blame it on how bad... Florida State's offensive line is, but with the way James Blackman avoided some of those hits and, and kept himself, you know, upright, is it is it all on the offensive line or is it just maybe a little bit on Francois now of not having better awareness to dodge those hits? You know, that's something that we can talk about going forward. But another thing is I, I thought that was explosive as uh, FSU has looked all season throwing the ball. Blackman made a lot of plays downfield and – you know, he, he hooked up with Tamorian Terry and DJ Matthews a lot, and they both got career highs. So all three of those guys going forward should be major players in this offense. I mean, get Nyquan Murray and keep Gavin out there and get those two guys in. Yeah, that's what, that's a big another big point, Dustin. So uh, you're right. Is He threw it to the guys who are going to be here next year. Mm-hmm. He threw it to Terry and Matthews, who coming into the season, everybody thought those would be our best two receivers. And... Francois kind of throws it to Nooney every play, which is fine. I mean, Nooney's been pretty good in most games. But it's it's crazy to see what happens when you give Tamor and Terry a couple more chances. And DJ Matthews was, like, catching everything thrown his way. So, I mean, that's what's going to help for next year and going forward. Not passes to Nooney when he's hit his ceiling as a senior and not going to be here next year. Not a great teammate. So, I mean, I just love Blackman's performance all around. Should FSU fans be worried that Willie Taggart's even having the thought of putting DeAndre Francois back out there against Notre Dame? Here's my thought. is I There's something we don't know, right? I've said this before. There's got to be something we don't know about the Blackman-Francois situation. Because... There had to have been I some mean, kind of promise made that under had, contract. I don't know what it is. I, don't, I can't even speculate. Do you guys want to play devil's advocate and think of a reason... <laughs> that it makes sense to not start James Blackman for the last three games. I mean, I can think of one, like, potential reason is Francois might, like, immediately up and transfer. But at this point, three games, I mean, you can start McDonald if if Blackman gets hurt. I mean, that doesn't seem like a legit enough reason. They already have four wins, and they're going to be underdogs in their last three games anyways. So, I mean, I don't see a reason not to start Blackman. He, he's going to be the only next year... Francois, I mean, wait, I guess another reason would be it. maybe Willie thinks Francois is going to be here next year. I don't and know where he would go anyways. I he mean, he can declare him. for the CFL. Exactly. People do that. What's his name did it last year? Uh, the defensive end. Wilkerson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The leadership difference is a whole 180 in my opinion. And, I, and it kind of goes with correlates with what DeAndre Francois said 
after their practice on Monday, uh, DeAndre Francois uh, said that I'm still the number one guy. Coach Taggart continues to make that clear. Uh, James, talking about James Blackman, understands that. But James is always ready to go. He's always ready to go if anything happens to me, God forbid. We got a guy who can go in there and throw for 400 on any given day. It's just nice to have two guys who can go in there and play. It's a great situation for both of us. So he's in his own world of thinking that this is shouldn't even be talked about. He'll be the starter going against Notre Dame. And I don't know. That kind of goes with what we're seeing, at least in the media proportions of practice, whenever media is allowed to take videos and cover it. Uh, DeAndre Francois is taking most of the first team reps during that small port of portion of time it's it's a little troubling in my opinion with what how he's talking because it could it could be a whole one but this could be a thing where willie taggart's trying trying to trick brian kelly at notre dame i sure hope it is yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say did you guys mention sorry i just cut out there for a second but did you guys mention uh wall bell being uh handed over the play calling duties Mm-hmm. We've got that next to talk about. How do y'all feel? Okay. How do you think that was? I think that was a big move for Willie Tiger. It's big for any kind of head coach and any kind of division or whatever, NFL, college football, for someone to give up the play calling duties. Uh, do you think that kind of works in Florida State's favor? Willie Tiger can focus more on some other things on the sideline. Of course, it's still Willie Taggart's scheme on offense, but it gives Walt Bell uh, a lot of the potential to call some good explosive plays like we saw against the Wolfpack. I think it, it gives Walt, it gives Willie Taggart a chance to relax and breathe and kind of takes a little bit off his plate. It gives Walt Bell a chance to prove himself in a broken season that's gone anyways. I mean, Willie can always take the play calling duties back. I mean, like it's not, it's not like he's publicly giving them over for sure. I mean, he even tell anybody who's giving them over. DJ Matthew said that he didn't even know until after the game that Will, Willie wasn't calling plays. So, I mean, you didn't see much of a difference in the offense. I think Walt Bell did a pretty good job. Uh, do you guys think this is an overreaction or this is accurate? That was FSU's best offensive showing in 2018. Yes, but against NC State's poor uh, secondary talent, I wouldn't say too much about I'm saying yeah, with, thought, taking, with taking into account who they were playing. I guess Wake Forest yeah. is the other one that you'd have to consider, but Wake's defense is really bad. So I would say that this is the best FSU's offense to look. Yeah, and this was playing against a ranked uh, team nationally, NC State. At, at so NC I, yeah, State. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely go with that. I mean, Blackman performed well, and it seemed like he being able to connect with these younger guys is something that I think Willie Taggart should focus on moving forward rather than bringing back DeAndre. I mean, I'm kind of going off topic, but it kind of goes with what to look forward to next season with what this offense could do. Um, you remember in the first drive when Cam Akers had like a 16-yard run, Logan? Mm-hmm, yeah. And you know he had a nice hole. That was? Yeah, he actually you know had a hole. That was? Mm-hmm. You know who opened that hole up was Cole Minshew, who didn't finish the game because our offensive line is cursed (laughs) (laughs) cursed or if there's a scratch on the shoulder then they need to come out for a play (laughs) it seems like it it seems like that doesn't it happen every game though it feels like every game our best whoever our best o-lineman is that game gets hurt Mm -hmm. so it's like and then one will come back and then whoever's best on that line will get hurt and so it's you see a huge difference. Like when we watched the Alabama LSU game, just watching Al- of course this is Alabama, but 
looking at their offensive line, it's extremely scary. And you look at Florida State's offensive line, and you're like, okay, uh, there's nothing, no meat don't on you, the bones. There's don't no you guys feel like every game guys like Alabama? Every game Arthur Williams does not start, and every game Arthur Williams ends up playing because of injury. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? It's like. All we can practice, Arthur Williams isn't starting. Arthur Williams isn't mentioned in the pregame for starting offensive line. He's not out there in the first drive. Yeah. Se- sure enough, second or third quarter, somebody gets hurt, Arthur <laughs> Williams trots out in the field. I'm like, this guy is, is the best backup job ever. He plays every game. He should be listed as a co-starter going into yeah, every right? game. Yeah, right? You just got to put him. He's going to play one of the guard positions. doesn't matter how far down the depth chart he is. He'll be out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just wondering how a converted defensive lineman is playing over – the number one center in the country from a couple years back, Babyon Johnson. Yes. Who and they've also been shifting him over uh, to guard in practice. So who's going to play I'm just center? Like, what's going on there? Logan answered this on IG Live today. He said Babyon, but I think that's just because he's the only center on the roster. Unless they get Putnam, yeah, he is. <laughs> unless they get Putnam, I think he might be the center. And it's either Babyon or Putnam, or Dustin, or Dustin, the other guard. <laughs> Dustin, can you snap? Yeah, can Dustin snap? No, I was never good at high school. I always played guard. Can probably take Arthur Williams' spot though. <laughs> For a little bit, at least I can a... pass block, bro. They might, you might get a scholarship if you go walk on. <laughs> <laughs> sadly, sadly, uh, at least a positive, really, really, really positive thing to look at was to Marion Terry. Uh, during that NC State game. It seems like if it's a one-on-one situation, the ball needs to be thrown to him every single play, and that's what James Blackman uh, tried to do, and it worked out well for him. We saw How many points of... How many points would, would Florida State score if they threw at him 12 times a game? I don't even care if it's double coverage as long as there's nobody, like, there's not, as long as there's not a safety over the top of him. As long as he's at least even with both players. Just throw it. A lot. <laughs> yeah, they scored 38 points a game. I mean, I think honestly, I think he has the potential to be like a two a two touchdown per game like lock later in his career if he does get that amount of targets or more. I mean, he had five receptions, two touchdowns, 142 yards. Did you Matthews? One thing I. 10. Sorry, go ahead. No, he had 10 receptions, too. But just looking at the younger side of things, it starts off with the three younger guys with Terry Matthews and McKitty. But, of course, we watched Marion Terry a lot with how impressive he is because you just know it's kind of like P.J. Savoy with his threes. You know if it's a one-on-one or even double coverage, Terry is most likely going to come down with the ball. Yeah, and just, just like an area that I think he could be more valuable in is, is the red zone. Being up there, inside inside the ten, the fifteen or so, that's the that's the perfect spot to have a big receiver that you can just throw a fade up to and say, "Go make a play." You know, that's what Auden Tate did when he was here, and it's kind of the same the same vein for uh, Tamorian Terry. That's an area he needs to be able to uh, have a lot of success in. He's already doing it with the big plays, which is great, but it's that area. How many inside touchdowns the does Terry catch next year? How many targets does he get? Hopefully a lot more than, you know, if it goes a James Blackman route, then he's going to get a lot of targets. If he gets a hundred targets next year, I think he gets 12 touchdowns. It's probably close to accurate. I mean, let's see so far 
this he's season six. he's had seven. So I'd go over be close to fifteen. Jesus. I think KB had fourteen in twenty thirteen. Give me give me fifteen. Wow. Marin Terry. Give me fifteen right now. I like that. Who's play, who plays opposite? Who plays opposite Terry next year? Not to get too off topic, but you you would assume Matthews stays in the slot. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's definitely Matthews. Uh, you think you think uh, eighty eight can play outside? Maybe more which, like that's a, another thing I'd like to mention about why we haven't seen much of him the last two games oh, offensive wise. It could be Warren Thompson, Jordan Young. Warren Thompson or Jordan Young. I didn't even yeah. think about those two. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty scary. When you get to pick the best of those, when you get to, for your third receivers, the option of Jordan Young, Warren Thompson, Keith Gavin. I mean, Still one of those Helton guys. Helton, of course, Helton. And, and Adams. Adams. And Trayson and Trayson Harrison and Adams. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely stacked at stacked. receiver. Mm-hmm. Can't say that during the Jimbo years. Other than 2013, of course. No. We can go to the depressing part of the game, which was the defense that didn't show up whatsoever. I mean, AJ that? Westbrook was getting picked on. I think, what was it, back-to-back-to-back plays almost, it felt like. Just absolutely annihilating him. <laughs> it didn't seem like they wanted it at all. I mean, linebacker play has always been poor, but it's going to be trouble when they face Boston College and AJ Dillon. Well, first of all, when you want to talk about how poorly FSU's defense is played, we can talk about how poorly their field position was, uh, how poorly they were set up with field position. Uh, I think NC State's average drive started on the 41-yard line, which is ridiculous. Um, yeah. And I think FSU's average drive, for comparison, started on like their the 22. So that's a huge difference in field position. Uh, just starting off. Then when you want to talk yards per play, uh, NC State had, I think, five and a half. But they they just consistently moved the ball the whole game. So it wasn't like, I don't think, did they have one explosive play that you guys remember? Mm, uh, Explosive-wise? I don't think so. Mm, No. So despite them, despite despite FSU out yards per playing them, I think... NC State was just able to like maintain their drives longer, and their just their success yeah. rate on a down to down basis was just way higher. Whereas FSU their longest used yards per play come from like two play drives to Terry and stuff like that. Their longest rush was twenty two yards. Their longest pass was thirty five yards. But when you want to talk about the macro, what what are you guys seeing from Barnett? I don't I don't really blame this week on Barnett. I thought the defense did pretty good against Clemson when they were still in the game. Like. I think they they forced punts on their first on Clemson's first four drives, so it seemed he seemed prepared and stuff. But this game, he couldn't get a stop to save his life. So, what do you guys think? I I don't know what to think to be honest. This is kind of the first time that I felt our defense was helpless. I think they I just think the uh, pass interference penalty certainly aided NC State's offense, but I think mentally they I don't were, know what else to think other think, than that. I think mentally there was a lot of mistakes, stupid mistakes, and it echoes with discipline too. I think Jaden Woodby's throwing. Uh, they're running back down three, four seconds after the whistle's been blown. Kind of hurts the defense and drives. And they, Florida State's defense has been known to do some silly things like that. I mean, not talking about Trey Marshall's targeting, but there's been times where Marshall has done some idiotic things for no reason to kill the vibe on Florida State's defense and momentum. But it seems like that happens every game, and that's really, really crucial. And 
every coach is against that, but it doesn't seem like the discipline, whatever they're doing, uh, is working. But that I think it was a lot of mental mistakes in that hand of things. Fans have a lot of unfair criticisms of Taggart, in my opinion. I think some of those are like play calling and stuff like that. But two things I think are very fair criticisms of Taggart at this point are, and they kind of go hand in hand, it could be really one thing, is penalties and discipline. The team is very penalized and very undisciplined. It doesn't look like people know how to line up on offense. I mean, defense definitely plays way after the whistle unnecessarily a lot of the time. So I don't know what the discipline uh, issue is, but I know Taggart's been penalized a lot at all of his stops, and I think that's definitely something he needs to work on this offseason, is instilling a little bit more discipline into his players. They need to stop all that dancing, huh? No, I'm fine with dancing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, there was also – I mean, we can go to the ACC. This is doesn't help Florida State at all with winning the game a lot. But those pass interference call, at least that the one. Terrible. That was a very poorly officiated game. And it was, was very one awful. It was very one way. Like, I'm, I'm fine with bad officiating if it goes both ways and gives each team a relatively even chance to win. But I think they only called like four penalties on NC State the whole game, and FSU had like fifteen. I don't care what game. I don't care what game it is. That's never gonna happen. Sixteen to four differential. Sixteen to four. Yeah. Wow. I mean, four it's times. Not awful. Of it's it's atrocious. I've never seen anything that, worse before. And yeah, even the where first, they're placing the ball was god awful. I mean, there the was first multiple pass times. Interference on Asante Samuel was ab- in the end zone was absolute BS. And then the pass interference a drive or two later on Stanford Samuels was absolute BS. BS, yep. That was terrible. Now where these guys are hired it. from. And then Tamorian Terry got his hand held behind his back on a deep ball mm-hmm. that he would have caught otherwise. Yeah, that would have been a touchdown. I wasn't sure at first, and then like I, I rewatched the game yesterday, and I'm like, oh my god, like he was he left that man. It was a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's crazy. They didn't even call it. He his hand was being he held. He was holding his hands. Back. Yeah, he was holding hands with Terry going down side of the field i mean that's the acc though i don't blame jimbo for leaving the acc in that stance of things i mean it's it's always been god awful and it always happens to florida state no matter what it's not just complaining over here i mean it's just when it becomes consistent like that usually week after week every other week i mean it's really embarrassing with i don't i I don't know how taggart can talk with the acc you know then you get friggin fined out of it but i mean it's pitiful how they perform every week and call bs i mean they're placing balls about one or two yards ahead of where uh nc state was you know obviously not getting the first down they were placing it two yards ahead i mean come on i mean not that can't be that stupid can you but they seem to show us every week that they can be i almost feel like the the ncaa like at a point the ncaa has to step in and become the like the overseer of, of the um officiating like right now the conferences kind of hire their own officials i think the ncaa should set the standard for that and you know not let this kind of stuff get into the game because it, it just ruins the final result really bad officiating i think the only way that fixes for florida state is if they leave the acc <laughs> honestly at this point it seems to happen every year doesn't it uh but yeah that was pretty unless y'all have anything other to talk about NC State wise, we've talked quite a bit about it, but let's get back 
and get after it with the Notre Dame game here. Uh, right now, it looks like it's going to be a wet and muggy one, possibly snow, 32 degrees at kickoff, 730. Uh, this is a primetime game at NBC. Uh, and even though there's not, I want to bring this up to you guys. Uh, and, of course, people listening are kind of going to act like I'm strange because Florida State doesn't have a running game. But uh, Florida State's going to want to. Like in practice right now, they're, they're going to want to focus on the running game. And Florida State, as we know, it probably isn't going to last. They're going to try to, but it's not going to last. So they're going to want to have Blackman or DeAndre Francois uh, throw the ball a lot. So we could probably see how the game was when Blackman was throwing a lot to NC State near the end of the game or near the half of end of it. Is that going to be the sole focus after the, what, half of the first quarter when they know that they can't run the ball and any of that proportion? I don't know what's going to happen with, with snow. I don't think um, – let's see. I don't think Taggart's ever coached in snow, but I could be wrong. I mean, I'm sure he's had some experience, whether as a player or coach with it, but – Certainly not enough to be used to it as a coach, and I don't think one of the players on Florida State's roster. Who's who's used to snow? Let's see. Upshur is probably used to snow. Is that <laughs> maybe, it? Maybe Levante Taylor. I mean, Virginia maybe. Yeah, Levante Taylor is probably – Yeah, well, the, DM, guys. the DMV guys are probably used to it. I don't know if they ever played in it, but they're probably used to it. But not 70, 70 80% of the – Roster has never even seen snow, probably. So this, this is going to be, especially not Notre Dame snow. There's a difference between Virginia snow and it's South Bend, Indiana snow. And it's not like snow. I mean, it's looking more like it could be solid snow. We're talking some wet snow, which makes it even oh. colder. Oh, <laughs> it sounds terrible. Is that any? Are you guys? You guys aren't going to the game, right? I know we have. I know no game day has a few guys going, but you guys aren't going. No. That, I no. could not. You couldn't There's pay no me way. to go to that game this year. Not at all. Not whatsoever. With that, with that weather and the, the Francois starting and <laughs> that, that's just not a good. I'm gonna be honest. It's I'd rather scary. go to. I'd rather go to. Uh, Who's Wake playing this New, weekend? I'd rather go to the Tulane Florida State basketball game in New Orleans. That sounds like a great weekend. That does yeah. sound like a good weekend. You trying to meet me in New Orleans, Dustin. <laughs> I would if I didn't feel depressed after what's going to happen on Saturday. Yeah, true. It's Sunday game. You don't want. You don't want true. <laughs> and y'all also, y'all. I mean, tomorrow my Steelers play against the Panthers, and if we beat them, then I get to celebrate throughout the whole weekend. But I'm so used to being able to watch. That in Charlotte? Nope, that's in Pittsburgh. Right. And but I'll be able to. I'm so used to watching Florida State play, and you know, going through that havoc of depression. But then I get to watch the Steelers play on Sunday, which is usually fun to watch because you get to see an offense move down the field and a defense play physical and be mean <laughs> and win games. But I'll be. I'll I'll let y'all know about that Steelers game tomorrow. <laughs> I know y'all. I know y'all be watching. It's prime time, by the way. You know. This is a really good game on Thursday. This is probably one yeah. of the best Thursday night football games in a long time. Cam Newton versus Big Ben. All right, Steelers game day. Relax. <sighs> Sorry, I'm a little hyped. Uh, All right, so you guys, what percent chance do you give FSU to beat Notre Dame? Dustin, go. Zero. All right, ESPN, <laughs> ESPN FBI gives 9%, and uh, SB Nation's S&P Plus gives 9%. So you can base it off that. Dustin says zero. Logan, what say you? Uh, I'd go with six point three. Honestly, I mean, <laughs> for be honest, and that, I had a lot of time to study that. 
that percentage. I, I just I, I have a question since we talked about it, the Clemson game too, and we, we have to talk about it because it is they're facing number three in the country, but how can Florida State upset, just to entertain the fans, how can Florida State have some kind of magical chance to upset Notre Dame on Saturday? If there's any chance, I mean, just like, at like nothing happened all this season. This is a whole new Florida State team. And they trot out on the field. It's really tight. Is, well, I guess you would say um, Walt Bell got the first snap to Marion Terry, 40 yards. I mean, does this team have a good offensive line that's trotting out onto the field? <laughs> we don't know. We haven't yeah. seen this team yet. So I'm going to assume no. <laughs> No, if you listen closely, preseason, uh, Alec Eberly told us that don't be surprised if FSU's offensive line is one of the best in the country. That must have just been because he was the worst, and he's like, wow, these guys are really good. <laughs> you know what? I think Alec Eberly could go to the NFL, not as a center, but as a NFL snapper. And I guess if the punter was six foot eight, he might get a chance at the practice squad. He's the next Red Lightning, dude. <laughs> I mean, is there? I mean, is there any kind of thing that would have to? Go? I mean, I guess everything has to go well. I mean, the defense, I think, will act differently than they did against NC State. But offensive, think... offensive. Here's the deal: if Florida State's often uh, defense performed like they did, the F, uh, FSU versus NC State would have been a pretty good game. It would have been. I think FSU would have won if FSU's defense played one of its best four games of the season. Not Nothing crazy, just a top half game from them. Like they played against Virginia Tech, Miami. That the, Either of those performances would have worked. Wake Forest certainly would have worked. Um, I mean, I could rattle off a couple more, but if they just played like the, NC, uh, the Louisville game, they weren't great, but if they would have played up to that standard, I think they would have won. I think the snow is actually... You know it's going to hurt FSU's offense, but it might it might kind of help the defense because yeah it'll it'll help it'll help. It's going to be snowing. It's going to be really windy. I think that could lead to some some trouble. You know, kicking the ball as well as throwing it, and you know Just hopefully good. that'll yeah. I like that point because Notre Dame's rushing offense is ranked 79th in the country. Yeah, uh, which FSU's rushing defense, while not amazing, is better than its passing defense. And Notre Dame's passing offense is pretty good, twentieth in the country. But if it's if it's windy, rainy, wet, and snowy, hopefully that bodes well for Florida State. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I want to see if if Blackman does start, if the connection with Terry and McKitty continues, uh, and also with DJ Matthews. Uh, the thing with against NC State was that seven receivers were catching passes and I mean the weather's going to affect it and all but the the running game's got to get get going at some point I mean it's not going to running needs run blocking Logan I'm I'm just trying to I'm just trying to bring up something that could That's at not least gonna give happen. especially not this week some time we're against... we're nine games in all right this this is yeah. this is what Florida State is they're not going to yes. be able to run the ball I don't with the weather, I really don't know, you know, if the deep ball is going to be there. The only real thing that you're going to be able to do against this defense is short to intermediate passes, and that's that's praying the weather doesn't prevent you from doing that. So that's how you're going to have to pick apart Notre Dame, and it's going to be tough because they have a pretty good defense. 
One thing I will say about FSU Notre Dame, a lot of people are predicting a blowout. Vegas is even pretty much with an 18-point spread, right? Mm. We agree on that? And I thought I thought Florida State would have a yeah. chance, though. I All right, hear me out. With y'all. Hear me out, hear me out. Notre Dame beat Michigan by 7. Ball State by 8. Vanderbilt by 5. Pitt by 5. And Northwestern by 10. So you can't come after me with saying there's a chance, right? You can't come after me saying I'm trying to get. So you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) Sounds like they play. They haven't played Florida State yet. Level. Yep, which FSU's pretty bad. Does I don't know if you know that. (laughs) What's the? They also haven't played a very good schedule. The second they they've played Michigan, which is they that that was their most impressive win, even though technically again on a S and P plus their post game win expectancy was forty percent. So it wasn't that. I mean, they won. They got the W for sure. But I don't know if uh, they played that game ten times. How many times they'd win? But the the second best team they played is Stanford, who's ranked thirty fifth in the S and P plus. And the next best team after that is Virginia Tech, who's ranked sixty first. So they haven't been that tested. They smacked both of them though. Yeah, they did. Mm. They did. Oh, who? Wait, they didn't smack Michigan. They smacked. Are you saying Stanford and Stanford. Yeah, yeah, Stanford and Virginia Tech. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One plus, I like to look at this, like the schedule of how uh, hard it is, is that there's a lot of younger guys on this team that get to go through this, and then they'll have the experience moving into next season. I think that's something fans... Hey, shut it up. Hey! I think that's something, while while Dustin's fighting his dog in the background. um, Sounds like he's losing, too. Yeah, it does. It sounds like like FSC's offensive line against a linebacker. Give it, Ryan. Throw us where, where the SP S and P uh, plus stats. What's going on? I'm for them. for what? For Notre Dame. I want to hear all okay. theirs. Gave us uh, some. Okay, uh, I can give you some. You're, you're probably not going to want to hear them. So uh, Notre Dame is really good at explosive plays on defense. Um, they are really good at finishing drives on defense. They are very good at. Um, Turnover margin, they've been excellent this year. Very good rushing defense as well as passing defense, both top 15 nationally. Um, Sounds like the perfect opponent. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're pretty solid all around. They're number three in the country for a reason. I don't see any real weaknesses here. Nobody. I will say that they're, they've been way better with Ian Book. So Brandon Wimbush, the, I mean, you guys probably know him from recruiting. He has throw the ball like 85 yards in the air. He's now a senior. He's played a decent bit, and he's thrown one touchdown and four interceptions on a 55% completion rate. They've been way better again uh, with the quarterback FSU will see on Sunday, who has a staggering 75% completion rate on 204 attempts, uh, 15 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's been excellent. So you're saying yeah. Brian Burns needs to have a game of his career. Yeah, he, he needs to have – four games worth of production (laughs) yeah did i don't think any of us predicted for our preseason uh predictions for florida state to beat notre dame right we all predicted them to lose to notre dame yeah definitely not yes but that was before the offensive lineman got hurt (laughs) yeah i think ryan and i picked between this game and nc state and now it looks like we're gonna lose both of them so (laughs) 
What what percent chance would you guys give us to make a bowl game? Uh, so I'm win gonna, two out of the next three is the question. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go fifty-five percent. What? Yep, I'm going fifty-five. <laughs> I'm going fifty-five percent. And if That's I'm gonna rank optimal. hard, no, if I'm gonna rank easiest game from one, two, and three, I'm gonna start off with Florida being number one, Boston College number two, and number three, of course, being Notre Dame, wow. the hardest one to win. I think they, I think they definitely show up for the UF game. They seem more mentally ready to play those games against rivalries. We saw that against Miami. Uh, and then I think when it comes to Boston College, the stress of keeping that bowl streak alive and not being the team that literally loses it after, what, 37 years, uh, snaps it. I mean, former players will be very vocal about that. So I think Willie Taggart is going to stress it because he's been stressing how much the history of Florida State means to him and how it should be to the current much he players. Wants. He's been blown out yeah, a lot. <laughs> I mean, we're talking, I mean, we're talking some that he wants to save, though. Uh, to look back on in his career, he's going to want to stress that quite a bit. But I think Dustin, what's your percentage? He ain't going to save it. <laughs> uh, I agree with your your ranking of of the final three games, like uh, easiest to to toughest. But you know, I'm I'm thinking more more like twelve percent, and you know, twelve DeAndre is probably going to start. But um, I don't think Florida State's going to win this Saturday against Notre Dame. And I really – I don't think they're going to beat Boston College either. I think Boston College is going to probably handle FSU by at least two scores. The Florida game, I can see the argument being the rivalry, but at that point, if they do lose the next two games, it won't it won't matter as much, and they might fall apart in that game too. So, I mean, we'll see. I'm just not very optimistic for with percentage, how they Dustin. played lately. I said 12%. Oh, you said twelve. Okay, I missed that. I heard the explanation though. I would say I was gonna say I was gonna say fifteen percent. So, uh, me and Dust are on the mm. same page there. Logan um, thinks that uh, Tagger is gonna channel his inner Nick Saban for the last two games of the season. Florida State's upside is that they're home games too to finish off the season. If it was away games, it would drop down quite a bit to fifty-two uh, percent. I'm playing no, drop down quite a bit, but I'm trying to give Willie Taggart. A little bit more love there to finish off the season. All right, this is – I want to bring up just a lot. We don't have this on the notes here. But just give me what y'all think who should most definitely uh, be the starting quarterback uh, ending the season and why. And just give me one reason why uh should be the starting quarterback. Which one, one Blackman or DeAndre? Just give me one reason. That's all you – have just one blackman blackman extending plays behind a poor offensive line and i would say blackman explosive plays based on what we saw saturday okay uh i i think in my opinion those are two good points uh since y'all took those i would go with uh, him being the biggest leader on the team I think that plays a part definitely for the younger guys. It seems like he has a better connection with them, and younger guys have been very vocal about it. Uh, I can throw up a quote here from Gabe Neighbors. Uh, he talking about James Blackman. He said, that's a true freshman right there. That man comes to work every day with the same attitude, no matter what the circumstance is. He's a team player. He cares about the overall outcome of the team at the end of the week. Weekend, week out, day in, day out, he's always up here. 
He's committing extra time to make sure everyone knows what they have assignments-wise. The energy he brings to us in practice and on game days can't be matched. He's a great guy. Um, and Cam Akers has been vocal about James Blackman being a leader too. Uh, he said, you know, you've got a leader out there. You know, you got somebody who's going to make plays for you and going to lead the team to success. Somebody's, somebody who's going to be a leader for the team. So I, I think, in my opinion, if Willie Taggart throws DeAndre Francois out there for the Notre Dame game, I think Willie Taggart's really going to embarrass himself. And that's my. I think at that point that. you're going to be losing some of the team and also some of the fans. I mean, if you if you take out Blackman after that type of game, what are you what are you saying that the best oh, players don't play? Yeah, I don't understand. It's ridiculous. There has to be something behind the scenes. We'll see. We'll talk about it next week. Maybe Taggart will say something leading up to the game. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned this on the pod or before the pod, but I just want to reiterate that there's a chance that Black or uh, Taggart is purposely playing Francois before um, the before the media in front of the media before uh, the, they have to leave, and then maybe switching Blackman back in, and he plans on starting Blackman on Saturday. We don't know. We'll see on Saturday, and we'll certainly this will be a topic for next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you guys ready to get into score predictions? Of course. Absolutely. Of course. I would love to. Dustin's about to make the fans happy and call another upset. Right? If losing by, you know, 30 is an upset instead of 40. Go ahead, Dustin. <laughs> you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go first if you want to. All right, I mean, I can go. Um I really, if the weather turns out to be as bad as it's uh, projected right now, I, th- I think it's going to limit both teams. You know, offensively, it's going to be hard to move in that weather. If, you know, if Florida State's defense isn't a, a turnstile again, like the offensive line, but it should it should limit the offensive produ- production on both sides, especially with FSU's lack of a running game. And, you know, Ryan mentioned earlier, Notre Dame isn't the greatest at, at running the ball either. That being said, I, this team this team's not ready to pull an upset of this caliber with how they played through nine games, and I'm going to go with Notre Dame. Um, I'm going to go 31 to 10. Wow. <laughs> Ryan's always with the wow at the end, but the, I was gonna I was gonna interrupt Dustin though. Does that score prediction change depending on the quarterback situation? Like, is that just from observations from both quarterbacks that's what it would be or if james blackman would give the team a bigger advantage of scoring more let's say it doesn't snow okay let's say it doesn't snow the wind isn't as bad as it's predicted to be and james blackman starts i think florida state loses i would give notre dame another 10 points there so i would say 41 24 something more like that I I'll do say, think they, they would score more with Blackman leading the team. I'm not going to do the whole if and the weather yeah. and Blackman. And he, what, made, he made me do it. What time, oh. like if the sun is setting. It's a good question, though. I mean, we, Taggart, I mean this what is underwear Taggart what, is wearing. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, well. okay. I'll say, I'll just do one because I'll just say it's going to be snowing and Francois is going to be the starter because that's, as a projection, that's what I'm. That's what's in front of us right now. I'll say yeah. uh, Notre Dame 35, FSU 13. I don't think FSU will be able to move the ball in in the snow, period. Okay. Pretty close to me, bro. They can barely move it in 75 and sunny in Doak. 
So I'm not thinking that Snowy and Francois back in and receivers trying to catch in wet snow is going to be very uh, successful. No. Uh, I'm going to go with the thought, and I hope Willie Tiger doesn't embarrass himself. He keeps James Blackman out there. I think Florida State uh, scores uh, 17, and uh, Notre Dame scores 41. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And there's Blow another wow from Ryan. There's another There's another wow. But, trademark. Uh, you you open the show with the, the trademark D. Lou, and you end it with the trademark wow. <laughs> yep, exactly. But uh, that's going to end the podcast tonight for you guys. We always appreciate you guys listening to us talking some ball, and now we got some hoops to look forward to. I'm sure we'll keep on talking about that a lot. A lot to look forward to on that side of things. Uh, as always, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play. Uh, but as always, you can also follow us on Twitter at here the spear i think this was our longest podcast of the year there was a lot to talk about and we'll make sure to get back with you guys next week to recap the notre dame game if you guys are traveling there safe travels enjoy it it's a very pretty campus and uh if you see any snow make sure you bring a jacket i'm gonna cut that out because that was terrible if you see any snow make sure you bring a jacket i'm gonna cut that out because that was terrible but uh, thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week <laughs> you see any snow and make sure to bring a jacket. I had something fire. I had something fire to say.